Hi, it's Laren Baker, and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Kelly Senye. You know her from her popular site, Just a Taste, and you've seen her on Food Network and the Hallmark Channel. Kelly is also a professionally trained chef, a podcast host, a super mom to three beautiful boys, all under the age of five, and now a cookbook author. If I could bottle up her energy, I would. I'm so excited to welcome Kelly to the podcast. Hi, Kelly. Laren, thank you so much for the amazing introduction. I'm just going to bring you everywhere with me. That was very kind. Thank you. <laughs> well, feel free because if that means um, I can go to Dintai Fun and have dumplings with yes. you. <laughs> yes, I will then... put you on the kid train with me. You can come everywhere. It's a party. Oh, that'll be so <laughs> awesome. Actually, you know what? You are in San Diego, right? Yes. So the next time I visit my sister who lives down there, we have to meet Perfect. up because the last time I saw you was Utah, right? I think it was Utah. It was years ago at a blogging conference. Um, absolutely. I think that must have been the last year, but it feels like a lifetime ago. It was probably four years. I think it was right before I got pregnant with my first. So almost five years ago. Crazy. Yeah. It was before you started popping them out. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Now it's just... Here they come. You can't stop. It's like a clown car. Anytime I pull up anywhere, it's like, I always tell them, I'm like, let me just get my kids out real quick. And then they come out and then another one comes out and then another one comes out. And like, How many do you have in there? I know, but oh, I'm so blessed. I'm very blessed. And I'm very thankful for each of them. It's a party. Well, you couldn't do motherhood any better. I honestly, oh. like I see you and I'm like, hail to Kelly because <laughs> you're too kind. You see the, Seriously. You see the like filter version maybe, but no, I try and keep it pretty real. Everybody knows on Instagram, I'm always yeah. showing the hot mess that we are. But you know what? I always say like, what's so bad about chaos? This is like a conversation that my mom and I have been having. They, like we always say, it's so chaotic, but like what, what's bad? Why does that have to be a bad thing? Like what's the alternative? Like not doing anything? I don't know. I'm one of those people that just thrives when I'm like insanely busy. So I, I feel like it was just, my life was meant to be like this. Oh, well you handle grace. I mean, pressure, wait, grace under pressure, <laughs> I can't even whatever, talk. It is. whatever it is, you do it so well. So whatever Thank your secret you. is, I think we all would love that. Thank you. But Thank anyway, you. I'm always start out um, by asking, cause I always have to ask, what was the first thing that you remember cooking and around how old were you? Oh my gosh. That's a wonderful question. Okay. So this wasn't the first thing I remember cooking, but this is the first food memory I ever have. And this is kind of weird. So, um, I used to live in orange County and there's a very popular, like old style train that runs around orange County and into Santa Ana. And so I remember vividly sitting on the floor of this train, not sure why, not very like clean. Um, (laughs) eating a ham and American cheese sandwich on an egg bagel from a very famous bagel shop in Orange County called Western Bagel. And it had Miracle Whip on it. And it was like the greatest thing I'd ever tasted. And I just remember it was it's just like the first food thing I can ever think of, like trace back to. I think I was four. And that's honestly one of my earliest memories. That is so, so funny. I love those really like weird memories. <laughs> I don't know why I was on the floor in a train eating a bagel sandwich, but I was. Well, I always marvel because I feel like out of everybody that I know, you have probably the perfect pedigree for what you do today. I mean, you started, well, it's true. I mean, you have degrees in journalism and then you went on to culinary school. I mean, 
Why don't you tell everybody about that journey? Oh, it's a lot of school. Yeah. So <laughs> I always like to think that I've taken a lot of baby steps to get where I am. And I get a lot of questions from people saying, how do you break into this industry? How do you start a food brand? Not even a food blog. How do you start a food brand? Because mm-hmm. we're all becoming our brands at this point, right? Like I am synonymous with just a taste. Just a taste is synonymous with me. I'm now synonymous with my new cookbook. Like it all comes together. So we are our brands. I get a lot of questions about that, but I always remind people that this is my 13th year of doing this. So I was like one of the OG food bloggers, like yep. right back when Deb from Smitten Kitchen was getting her start. And Elise, who's a good friend of mine from Simply Recipes. I mean, we were all kind of kicking things off around that 2006, 2008 range. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been 13 years that I've been doing this, but I did go, I studied communication and business um, undergrad at Northwestern, always knowing I wanted to go into journalism. So I ended up going to Columbia Journalism School for broadcast television. And my beat was Hunts Point in the South Bronx. And so it was a pretty tough beat to have. Um, The stories were very emotionally draining and very intense. So I tried every night to come home and just cook as a way to decompress. And my mom, Noni, is an unbelievable home cook, totally self-taught, but had me in the kitchen with her from the moment I could hold a spatula. And so cooking kind of really became a release for me. And then one night I was procrastinating writing my grad school thesis at Columbia. And I was like, (laughs) I'm going to put my mom, Noni's ribs recipe online because all of my family keeps emailing me for it. So I was sending them this like, crappy word doc. Um, so I was like, I'm going to start a food blog. And I remember like jotting down all these names. Um, and just a taste came from my great grandmother, Mamu, who said, there's always room for just a taste of dessert. So it was like one thing led to another. I ended up going to culinary school, working at Food Network, Gourmet Magazine. One day I was sitting at my desk at Condé Nast. I was working at Epicurious at the time. And I just, it just kind of dawned on me that I'd learned all of these things in a very corporate setting and I wanted to be my own boss. So I quit my job there, which was basically unheard of at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was the best decision I ever made. And I went the entrepreneurial route and I went full time as of nine years ago, but I've been at this for 13 years. So I always tell people baby steps. I never like got instant success overnight. You know, it's always been like, okay, I'm going to learn the craft. I'm going to practice the craft. I'm going to hone the craft and I'm going to perfect the craft. And that's the kind of approach I like to have to everything. I don't want to be given success. I don't want to have like instantaneous, you know, achievement mm-hmm. in anything. I want to viral like, moment. Exactly. I don't want to be a flash in the pan. Like I'll use a million and one food puns, but I don't want to <laughs> be a flash in the pan. I've been doing this for 13 years. I want to do it for another 13 years. And that kind of leads to like, well, okay, great. How do you not go the way of the dinosaurs and become extinct? Because the the landscape is changing so quickly. And there's a new social media platform every time we turn on our phones. It's like evolution and like staying on top of those things. So that's the plan. Be around another 13 years doing this. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. And you know, I do believe because I do feel that slow and steady wins the race. Absolutely. In anything in life, but for sure in what we do, because I can't tell you so many people will email and say, oh, I started a food blog, but it's going nowhere. And then you ask them how long it's been and it's only been like three months. Right. <laughs> and you can't, you can't just 
go at it that way. You just have to think that this is like a long-term and you have to do it just because you love it. Absolutely. And that was the original reason I got into any of this. It was that combination of the emotional release, but then also I'd just always grown up with such amazing food. My entire family's like life, life revolves around food. So it was like a very natural thing for me. And when I was in journalism grad school, everybody kept pushing me to be a political reporter, like go into politics. Like, it'll be great. It's really intense. You'll love it. And I was like, Mm. like, I think I want something (laughs) a little happier, like a little, maybe a little bit more like neutral. So I was like, I love food. But then knowing that I wanted to be a food writer, I was like, I've got to go to culinary school because I really want to have that professional background. It's one thing to be able to, you know, write about a hollandaise sauce and like the perfect sauce and how to like make sure that you know it's emulsified it doesn't break but then it's a totally another thing to get back in the kitchen and actually know how to make it perfectly yourself so I think it's that combination uh really again like honing the craft and perfecting it yeah well I have to say when I heard about your momu I yes I love, first of all, because it's just so cute, because my daughter has a nickname for me. She calls me Mamu. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when I heard my, Momu. Mamu is my, uh, yes, that's my, Mamu is my great-grandmother. Yes. So Pronounced cute. the exact same way, it sounds like. It's very similar. So, yeah. So she, was she a, constantly cooking all the time? Yes. So she was like the quintessential, made all her own jams, like was a canning expert, um, really big into sweets, like loved these chocolate turtles filled with caramel, which actually last night I had two of. Like it's, the chocolate gene has definitely carried on from generation <laughs> to generation. Um, but she, I think my grandmother likes to say like the love of food skipped her and then went to my mom and then down to me. Um, but my great grandmother, Mamu, and she lived to 104, Laren, and she was what? like, rock- yeah, she was rocking and rolling till like she was 104, like still cooking and like an absolute rock star. So I just always had her as the initial example, and of course, my grandmom and then my mom, you know, being at the center of it. So it's really cool that it's been generational and, and passed down, um, which has been super fun. And now I have three little boys, so maybe one of them will go the culinary route. Who knows? I don't really care if they do, but as long as they love it. As long as they can cook for themselves, I think that's exactly <laughs> that's what everyone says to me. They're like, oh, whoever their girlfriends are, they're going to yeah. be so lucky. They know how to cook. <laughs> like This is true. Yeah. And they can't have the excuse like, oh, I don't know what to do because exactly. <laughs> have you. Exactly. Has motherhood totally changed how or has it not? I mean, has anything changed with your approach to cooking now that you're a mom? Absolutely. I think we go through these phases with cooking. I mean, and I like to say this to people and be very honest and real about it. Like there are days when I am just not into it and I order takeout just like everyone else, because Mm -hmm. especially I feel like with this past year, it's been a lot. It's three kids under five. We didn't have school for eight months. Like I wrote a cookbook and launched two other major projects. And my husband and I were both, I'm sorry, that's how long, or my husband and I were both working from home. I mean, it was just craziness. So um, there were definitely the nights when we turned to takeout. But I always tell people, like, you know, you go through these cycles with, like, I'm really in love with cooking. And then there are some nights I'm like, I'm doing cold cuts wrapped with a piece of cheese and, like, a handful of cheese. It's like not every night is, like, you know, a two-hour braised sugo with, like, homemade gnocchi. Like, no chance. It's just not yeah. realistic. So I'm all about, like, store-bought shortcuts and, like, how we can get – if I have 30 minutes – I can make something spectacular. So that's the whole goal. Keep it under 30 minutes and I'm set. So I guess that probably leads very, very well to your book that is being released this week. Well, this week in the future. (laughs) Yes. 
And so tell us all about it. It's called Secret Ingredient Cookbook, 125 yes. Family Recipes with Surprisingly Tasty Twists. That's a lot of writing, a lot of testing. It's a lot of writing, a lot of testing, a lot of eating, and a lot of dishes. But yes, the Secret Ingredient Cookbook is out on store shelves, and it has been the single largest, most challenging, most rewarding project I have ever worked on in my life. Um, when I was 19, I like wrote down a list of career goals, and the number one thing on that list was write a cookbook. And I always knew it was going to be this cookbook because eight years ago is when I actually started the process of like the concept for it. But um, my thought is that everybody has a secret ingredient recipe, something that they mm. add, you know, whether it's like chocolate cake made with mayonnaise, or maybe you add a little something to your succotash or, you know, whatever it is, your pasta sauce or, you know, whatever recipe you may have, it's like, you know, I added a little something secret in there. So I thought I have so many family recipes like this. And it all started with my chocolate chip cookies that are actually made with a mix of butter and cream cheese. So cream cheese being the secret ingredient there. Mm. And they just took off like hundreds of thousands of people were right about them and tweeting them back when Twitter was an actual thing, let's be honest. <laughs> when it was a fun thing. <laughs> yeah, but Twitter was a fun thing. Um, but yeah, so that just kind of it started it all. And then that led to this series on my site about secret ingredient recipes. And we just saw the traction that these recipes were getting. Um, and they're, they're really good recipes. And it's always fun. It's a great conversation starter for people to have recipes that have like a surprising something in them. So now the book is 125 of them. It's breakfast through the through dessert with cocktails, snacks, sides, pastas, salad, soups, you name it, it's in there. But the whole focus here is family friendly. So they're approachable, they're easy. None of the secret ingredients are expensive or hard to find. If you can't find it on walmart.com, it didn't make it in the book in terms of ingredients because that was really important mm. to me because not everyone has access to a farmer's market every week. Um, you know, and I thought like I cook from like a very much like pantry and fridge staples standpoint, um, which has really come in handy, of course, this past year. So yes. it's basically anyone looking to kind of get re-inspired and reinvent the classics. Um, you know, we've got spaghetti and turkey meatballs, but the turkey meatballs are so epically moist and flavorful because they've got a secret ingredient, which is, which is actually cinnamon. So you ah. get this little bit of like spicy, like herbiness to them and like mm. nuttiness. And it just all comes together with the acidity of the tomato. So there was a lot of re research in terms of balancing flavors and textures, but it was a blast to write. And I'm so thankful that it is finally here. I feel it's like the longest pregnancy of my life. <laughs> I feel like I've been pregnant for like eight years. Oh my gosh. I feel like so many people use that analogy to describe writing a cookbook because it oh. is. And while you're in it, you probably don't even want to think about writing another one again. No, but then no. And maybe like and a then, year later, you're like, hmm. exactly. <laughs> I, I'm the crazy one that literally called my literary agent last week and was like, Stacy, I have another idea. And she's like, here we go. I knew it. I was like, no, the, I have a really good idea. <laughs> oh, that's like, so exciting. No, but I'm a, I'm a nut. I'm like, I live for this stuff. I love the chaos. I love the like intensity of it. It's so much fun. I, I thrive in it for sure. Well, I think it's so cool. First of all, I have to go back to the cinnamon because I feel yes. like that's one spice that is so... Real, like people don't think about it when it comes to savory dishes where you know, in some parts of the world, it's definitely used in, you know, in savory dishes. But here in the U.S., you always think of it as 
something for sweets and desserts, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's for banana bread. It's for cupcakes. It's for, you know, apple spice bread, whatever it may be. But nobody ever kind of takes it the savory route. And when you cook it in with other aromatics like onion and garlic, mm-hmm. it really kind of punches up the flavor. Um, and especially something like ground turkey that's notoriously bland and dry. It's really a nice way to kind of, you know, take it up a notch. Yeah. So can you reveal like maybe one more secret ingredient? (laughs) I've got 124 more. (laughs) Where do I begin? Well, I know Um, we wanted people to buy the book, but you know. I know this is true. Okay. So I have to say another, another one. Thank you, Lauren. I know you're like, be my marketing manager, please. Okay, another recipe that I absolutely love that's become a weekly staple in our house is the chicken cutlets with apple salad. Um, I think chicken cutlets are by far the most versatile food on the planet because they can most they can be as easily called chicken nuggets as they can be called chicken cutlet. I mean, it's all about how you yeah. make something, right? So to yeah. my husband and I, if we're having chicken cutlets or chicken milanese for dinner. To my kids, I cut them into squares. They're having chicken nuggets. Like it's it's very it's very like versatile. Um, but the secret ingredient that one is actually comes down to the breading, which is actually finely crushed graham crackers. So instead of Ooh. using like a panko or an Italian bread crumb, you crush up graham crackers. Pairs really well with the tanginess of the apple salad and it kind of like all comes together into this really warm, comforting dish. Um, and you get a really subtle sweetness. And then if you salt the cutlets right after you pan fry them, add a little lemon juice on top. It's just mm. like you get the sweet, salty, crunchy, chewy, like tender. It hits every flavor note and every texture note. Okay. You're making me hungry. And I, <laughs> I, I actually just had That's lunch. <laughs> Oh, that's so awesome. So how many of these recipes, you know, are from your childhood? Like, are there some in there that, or were they all just completely, you know, new? It's funny. You know, when I, when I first wrote the proposal for the book, you know, you have to write your, your proposed recipes and all this, all of this Mm -hmm. goes into the pitch for the book and all that. And I think maybe like looking back on them, I drew a lot from like childhood inspiration for the initial proposal. But then once you get into the actual recipe development for a book, it's like a free for all. And as you start working on the recipes, it's like, it leads you to tangents here and there. And like, before you know it, you're creating dishes you've never tasted before. You've never dreamed of just because you're so inspired in that moment. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'd say the overall book was definitely inspired by my childhood. My mom's a very good home cook. So it has the classics in there, like the spaghetti and meatballs, the chicken cutlets we talked about, um, you know, a lot of the salads that we used to eat growing up. Um, but so much of it is new and fresh because I was just so inspired by putting all these different flavor combinations together that it was hard not to just break out of the like comforting box, you know, that I was in and try and like branch out of it. So it was a really good exercise for me too, to really kind of push my creativity. That's amazing. And, you know, people always wonder, like, where do you get all your ideas from? But clearly, you know, when you're playing in the kitchen, it's amazing what you can come up with. That's the best analogy. Playing in the kitchen, experimenting. I have an entire folder of recipe rejects that were just comical failures. And, you know, because if so much of this, too, is like you have to recognize what the failures are in order to really hit home runs on the successes. You have to know why something doesn't work in order to figure out how it's eventually going to work 100% of the time, because the replicability of the recipes is so important to me. And I think that's kind of goes back to my culinary school days. Like when you write recipes, they have to be able to be remade by an average home cook time and time again, and they get the same result. It's like going to Starbucks. I want to know when I go to Starbucks, my order is going to taste the same and it's going to be the same every single time. That's how I feel about the recipes in the book. I had to know that every single time people made them, they were 
going to get the same result and it was going to be a home run every time. So that, that whole testing process too, I think really pushes the creativity because every single time you find something to tweak to get it to, you know, a 10 out of 10. Yeah. And it's also humbling too, when you realize, oh, this recipe really doesn't work. Yes. And to be able to own it and say, you know what, got to get rid of it. Exactly. Exactly. And you, and there's so much like like lost pride in doing that. Like I did this, <laughs> oh my God, I did this one there and it was so good, but so bad at the same time, if that's even possible. Okay. You have to tell was, us. <laughs> okay. And it didn't make it into the book, obviously for the so bad part, but it was fried rice pudding. So stay with me here. <laughs> <There's> like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm excited because I'm like, oh, well, kind of like a Frenchie, like maybe rice krispie okay. treat almost. So sort of, but not really, but I tried. <laughs> so I made rice pudding and then I um, spread it into a baking sheet and I chilled it overnight. It also took like three and a half days to make. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Mm. I don't have time to shower on the daily, like let alone do this for three and a half days. (laughs) So you spread the rice into a baking sheet, you chill it. And then I was like cutting it into squares and then you dredge it like you would anything else like chicken or anything else. But then the secret ingredient was my favorite cereal of all time, cinnamon toast crunch, crushed up finely. You bread it in eggs. Then you coat it in the cinnamon toast crunch that's crushed up into like, you know, breadcrumb texture. Then mm-hmm. you pan fry it. So it's like crunchy, creamy, cool. You serve it with ice cream. Like in theory, it sounds very nice and lovely and it tasted great, but like, no, I don't have three and a half days to do this. <laughs> right, so, right. Um, it didn't make it, but it's a great recipe. So maybe if people want like a project, it would be something good. That would be a great project. First of all, I had some cinnamon toast crunch yesterday. Um, <laughs> it's the greatest it's like cereal. By the handfuls, so good. Yeah. Oh no, I like. I have to buy the family size box and then yes. limit myself to two bowls because, and I don't let my kids near it because I'm like hoarding it. I'm like, it's not good, guys. I always say something is spicy if I don't want my kids to eat. I think it's very spicy. <laughs> It's very spicy. You would not like it. That's a really good <laughs> trick. No, it's so good. Okay, so I have to ask: Are you like? Do you pour a lot of milk or a little milk? Yes. Okay. So I am. Well, I would say I re- I'm like more on the like excessive milk side, especially oh. with something like cinnamon toast crunch. I think it depends on the cereal, and I have like a theory about this. Is because you know the like sugary coating on cinnamon toast crunch. You want that like falling off into yeah, but you want that in the milk, so you get like that delicious like sugary milk. So I, I would range like a little bit on the uh, on the excessive milk side. Definitely. That is so funny. So you're totally <laughs> like on the same team as my husband because he's all about that cereal milk that's at the end. Yes. Yes. And for me, it's like no, I just put I just put a little bit of milk okay. and then I eat it and then I put a little bit more because I don't want okay. it to get soggy. <laughs> I don't know if we can be friends, Laren. I know. Well, maybe we could be friends because then I would take all the excessive milk. Yeah, you can take my milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, how are the kids with all of this recipe testing? Oh my gosh. So my kids will eat anything. I have to say like, a lot of people expect them to have really crazy palates, which they definitely do. They're very open-minded to trying something. The rule in our house is that you have to try something once. So my little boys are four, three, and seven months. So four, three, and seven months. So obviously the seven-month-old, we're just starting to get on the purees and all of that. But the four-year-old and the three-year-old will try anything once. Um, they were open and willing to try anything that I made. They tried the turkey meatballs. They loved them. A lot of times it's with kids I found, it's like how things are presented to them. So yeah. I always find like I tell people my top, top tip for getting kids to try new foods is don't make a big deal about it. So I never say like, oh, we're trying something new for dinner. And like, look at your plate tonight. You know, I always serve things on like a fun polka dot 
tray. People always see them on Instagram with like, you know, the sectioned off plate. Mm -hmm. Um, But if we have something new, I don't draw attention to it. Like I put something familiar, but then I put something new and I just don't even acknowledge it. And then we put the plates down, everybody sits down and then we just kind of like let them do their thing. And if they ask about it, I'll definitely tell them. But for the most part, I just try not to draw attention to it. And it's just kind of normal. And that's what my husband and I are eating and that's dinner and enjoy. Yeah, no, I think that's such a healthy approach because kids, I think, are just naturally curious anyway. Yes. And, you know, like I knew I grew up eating whatever the family was having. My mom was not a short order cook. So I made a promise to myself that I'm never going to become a short order cook. Exactly. But then, of course, that changed when my daughter decided she wasn't going to eat meat anymore. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> you, you've like, de facto become the short order I cook. know. <laughs> and then my husband's like, I'm going to be vegan for like the next whatever. And it's like, oh, boys. No, thank you. Throw in a gluten-free and you'll have the trifecta oh, over no, there. You're like, that is not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> we draw the line. But I'd oh, love to man. know that, I mean, yeah, your boys are so cute. Um, oh, thank you. But like, how how did you manage like everything oh, while yeah. taking care of your boys? Like, how did you find the time? I always tell people it's a combination. One, I'm very honest about this. I have help. So we have a nanny. You have to. I work 70 hours a week. It's not possible not to. Um, But I always tell people this too. And this is definitely not for everyone, but this is what works for me. I work very weird hours. Um, So I am around with the boys. I always do school drop-off, school pickup. Obviously, things were very different this past year when there wasn't school, and that was kind of like, you know, we just did the best we could. And I definitely had to scale back working. Um, But I always say, too, that, like, I'm there for those critical moments. And then because we're so lucky and we do, like, you and I have always worked from home. I've never had to go to an office, which is, like, a major benefit of our jobs is being able to, like, my kitchen is my office. Right. So if there's something fun going on in the playroom or, you know, in the, you know, on the table next to me, like, I can jump over there really quickly. Um, But they are all in bed by eight o'clock. So I work during their nap time, which is, like, a two-hour chunk. I work when the big boys are in school. And then I work from 8 p.m. to about 1.30 a.m. every single night. And it sounds nuts to people, but, um, those like, is that five and a half hours? Yeah. Those like five Mm -hmm. and a half hours, I probably get more done in that like uninterrupted stretch than, I don't know, like a normal nine to five work day, just because I feel like when you're a mom, you have to learn to prioritize and become very efficient at things. So I don't waste any time. Like I just sit down and I work straight for like five or six hours. And that's kind of my normal work day. And then during the day, I'm trying to field emails and obviously stay on top of social media um, because I always talk about our team, but it's really myself and one other person, Libby, who has worked with me for the last six years. We do everything like down to creating graphics, shooting videos, like we do it all. So um, she always knows she's getting emails from me at 11 p.m. and 1 a.m. and obviously not expected to respond then, right, but she'll right. wake up in the morning and have an inbox full from my from my late night adventures. So oh my <laughs> that's gosh. how I make it work. Yeah, no, you have to find those pockets of time. Like I do remember when my kids were your kids' age, which yes. seemed like just yesterday, but for me, I would kind of do like the bookends. I would be up at dawn. Yes. Yep. And then once they were awake, okay, I'm yours. Then they, yes. you know, if they went to school, I might get something done there, but probably not. Yeah, no, <laughs> and by then, the time you drop them off, it's time yes. to pick them up anyways. I'm like, <laughs> exactly. I never understood it. It's like, why is it so short? Even I know. Was like half a day, it was so short. And I then know. you just have to sort of be a night owl and 
Yeah, I'm a Burn huge night owl. And that's when I get in all my like trashy reality television Same. TVs. I just, oh my gosh, I am obsessed. And like, I don't, I'm not like a, I don't, I never have the TV on during the day. We have like a no TV rule in our house. Mm-hmm. But at night when the kids are in bed, it's like the house turns into like a whole mother place. Like, <laughs> you know, TLC goes on, 90 Day Fiance Marathon episodes start. You know, the laptop's out. I've got my snacks next to me. You know, my like, I'm ready to go. My husband's always like, oh God, here's Kelly in work mode. I'm like, this is me. Like, just six hours. See you in six hours. <laughs> like, that's so funny. I thought I was the only one who was just like, but you know, you're right. Like, because that's your time. And you exactly. Know, and when I am. When I have the TV on at night and I'm working, I like I want my face to be doing this, <laughs> like jaw open. I don't even have to follow a storyline. I can just watch, like, and not have to pay attention to like you know. My husband was watching all these shows with these like twisted plots. I'm like, I can't. No. Like, we need something. No subtitles. Right. No, like nothing. No, I need just like something where I can like vaguely hear what's going on in the background and follow the storyline, so I can work while watching TV. Yeah, that's how I am with like Great British Bake Off. Like I just hear yes. just hear yes. them talking in the background once in a while. Like I'm like, oh, it's a beautiful tart. <laughs> like, exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. Very cool. So Kelly, oh my gosh, time is flying. I know. I know that you're so busy. So I just have a couple of questions and we'll wrap things yes. up. Okay. So what's something that you make when you are so swamped and just need an emergency dinner? This is a great question. So I am all about a good store-bought rotisserie chicken. I'm very lucky mm-hmm. in that my local grocery store has store-bought rotisserie chicken. So yeah. we actually do a million and one things to store-bought rotisserie chicken, whether it's as basic as a chopped salad. And that's where like I added my secret ingredients um, where like I do like a, a quick pan-fried halloumi cheese, dice mm-hmm. that up, throw that in with the rotisserie chicken. Or we actually do it in tortillas um, with scallion and cucumber and a little hoisin sauce, which is like our go-to. It's basically like oh. a baking duck substitute way cheaper way faster yeah so we do those we just call them little like you know rotisserie roll-ups so I do that I'm like all about the rotisserie chicken there's so many ways to use it and I think that was like a big inspiration for me too with the book like you know really getting recipes to kind of start with the rotisserie chicken and then like how can we work it into something else um that there's a recipe in the book called rotisserie chicken tortilla soup uh the secret ingredient tortillas so it's actually a green uh tortilla soup and it's really flavorful and citrusy um but the the time the prep it takes to make it is just like cut in half because you start with the store-bought rotisserie chicken and it comes together in minutes which is fantastic i love it i love a good tomatillo soup so that sounds so good okay what's one recipe that you treasure the most my mom noni's fried spaghetti it's epic. It's not on the site. It's not on just the taste. It's not in the book. I've not made it on Food Network Kitchen. I have not talked about it. Like it's just, it exists in my mind as this epic creation. And every time she makes it, I'm like, oh, I'm going to write this down. But then I don't. Um, it's, I've got to make it though, because I posted about it on Instagram the other day and I got so many requests for it. So Noni's fried spaghetti. It basically involves like crisping the noodles in butter and garlic prior oh. to doing the sauce and everything. So they're like crispy, chewy. I mean, it's next level. Most that treasured recipes by far. So good. It's funny because like as I talk to people about that question, a lot of people are like, oh, it's actually not on the site. And it's like, yeah, yeah like it should be. Turn it. It's like it's in here. It's in heart. Yeah. <laughs> like Those the, are the most the important. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so I probably know the answer to this, but are you a messy cook or a neat cook? Neat. 
I am OCD type A, like you could eat <laughs> off the floor in my kitchen, Lyra. And it is, I think that's the culinary school side of yes. me because when you're in culinary school, that's like day one, you keep a clean workstation. And anytime I have sous chefs that come in and work with me, like that's always like my number one thing. I'm like, let's guys, let's just keep a clean kitchen. I want to be able to eat off the floor. No yeah. messes. It also like messes with my psyche if I'm in a messy environment. So I need to have like clean order. I love that. I aspire to be the neat cook. And then by the end, <laughs> all the doors are the open. Intentions are <laughs> the intentions are there. The intentions are there. The intentions are there. Yeah. Um, what's a good kitchen tip? I know you have many. I have so many. I would say my number one tip. So there's a section of the book called my not so secret kitchen secrets. And it's basically all of these tips and tricks that I've collected over the years, working in test kitchens, working in restaurants. Um, and this is actually a tip that my mom Noni taught me. She's been such a huge influence in everything that I do, but I actually proof my bread dough in the dryer. So this is a great place to proof yeah. your bread dough with the one caveat that, so basically you run your dryer for five minutes. So you get it nice and warm, turn it off. I always get questions about this. You turn <laughs> yeah, off turn the dryer. Off. I'm repeating, turn off the dryer. Oh my gosh. You put your dough covered in plastic wrap in the dryer, close the door. Now this works great for yeasted doughs because your dryer is warm. It's dark and it's humid. Mm -hmm. So the yeast like kick off this party and it proofs your dough in a fraction of the time. So that would be my number one kitchen tip. And my mom Noni's soft pretzel knots, which are also in the book. I share about that tip too, but it's just, it's fun little quirks like that. I love collecting those sort of kind of moments and, and tips over the years. And she's been a huge inspiration for those. Oh, I love that. That's a good one. Okay. So yeah. I try to end every week sharing five little things on my site, something okay. that makes me smile. So what's one little thing that made you smile maybe this week? Ooh. Okay. My little boys, I introduced my two little guys. This actually happened yesterday, um, to wheat thins. They'd never had wheat thins before. Um, <laughs> so now they're running, you know, they're like, they're running around the house, but they think they're called weepins. So they're running around the house asking for weepins. And it's just that cute little baby voice that I know when I'm 80 years old, I'm going to look back on these moments, Laren, when it feels like there's a tornado around me and I don't know up from down and I'm going to miss these moments so bad. And I'm going to remember that little voice in my head saying weepins. And like that to me is just, it's so cliche, but it's like, I try so hard to be in those moments when I am with my kids because uh, it goes so fast, as you know. Oh, you're a mom, but yeah. man, it's just so fun. People always say your life is a, a tornado. I'm like, I know, but it's fun. It's like chaos and it's fun. And I would not have it any other way. Oh, I love it. Make sure you record the weepins on something yes. so that you have it. High-pitched voice, I know. I still haven't changed. Well, I have like a little recording of my son and my husband and I pretty much have it like memorized and we recite it just because this little tiny voice back in oh the day, it just like melts your heart. So it's ah! the best. <laughs> and it's it's such a simple thing, but like now when I hear it, I like, it just evokes such like happiness and positivity and just like yeah. thinking of them, like trying something new and enjoying it and then wanting to express that, but they can't. And it's just, oh, I just uh, love it. Well, it just gets better and better. And just like you, Kelly, I am so excited that you were able to join me today. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. Thank you, Lauren, so much for the time. You're the best. I'm so thankful that we've stayed so connected over the years. Me you too. also being one of the OGs. We're, we're the grandmas in this space. We got all these <laughs> young dinosaurs. I'm like, I'm like the dinosaur, like creeping the earth. It's been here for 13 years. We're, we'll still like, be here. So we're not extinct yet. <laughs> I'm so glad you were able to join us on this episode of Kitchen Confidant. 
Thank you again to Kelly Senye for sharing her journey and kitchen secrets with us. Kelly always amazes me with her professionalism and joy for food. You can find her on justataste.com, on Instagram at Just a Taste, on the Just a Taste podcast, and her book, Secret Ingredient Cookbook, out now wherever books are sold. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking. Happy cooking.